Welcome to Jobber's Masters of Home Service podcast, where successful business owners share their secrets for making your business more profitable and efficient. I'm your host, Adam Sylvester, owner of Charlottesville Lawn Care and Charlottesville Gutter Pros for the last 15 years. I truly believe that service entrepreneurs need to come together from different service industries and swap stories, share tips, and learn from each other. By getting together and sharing each other's successes and failures, we can help each other level up. And that's the mission of Masters of Home Service. On the very first episode of Masters of Home Service, we are talking about the switch from part-time side hustle to full-time business owner. With me is Paul Jamison, a successful business owner and host of the Green Industry Podcast out of Atlanta, Georgia. Thanks for being here. What's up, Adam? It's good to see you. And Andy Wines, owner of Camo Crew Junk Removal in Butler, Wisconsin, and the host of the Trash Talk Business Podcast. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. I know our guests today love Jobber. With Jobber, managing the customer experience from estimates to invoicing has never been smoother. Our listeners can get a special discount on a new subscription by going to jobber.com slash podcast deal. Trust me, it'll make your whole business more efficient and more profitable. So you guys both started your businesses as part-time side hustles. I did too. Let's walk our listeners through what that was like and how it all materialized. Paul, how did you decide to start part-time, full-time, and how did it go? Yeah, so I was out of college, broke, busted, and disgusted. My mortgage payment was 928 bucks, and I was struggling to pay it. So I remembered in high school, I would mow my buddy Frank's yard for 20 bucks. So I thought, if I can mow enough grass... I can pay the $928 mortgage. So I started mowing and cutting that grass, making that cash. And I had no idea about overhead and all the costs for all the equipment and <laughs> insurances and taxes. Because when I cut Frank's yard, I literally used his mower and he just gave me a $20 bill afterwards. So I'd worked all summer long cutting grass on the side and I just didn't have enough money to pay all of my bills. And so I actually had to get a job at Carabas as a server in the evenings and I'd mow all day and then I'd go work at the restaurant at night. So I wanted to be full time, but I didn't know my numbers yet. That's a common thread. A lot of people who start side hustles have another job to go with it. Andy, what was yours like? Oh, no jobs. <laughs> jobs. <laughs> jobs. Yeah, I mean, I went from, so 2008, I got laid off because that's what happened in 2008 to a lot of people. I had a mortgage like you and a dog and I was running about $1,000 a month. And I took what I knew from scrapping. My father taught us growing up how to recycle, how to take apart lock sets and faucets and things like that. Other things that came off of his job being a remodeler. And from 2009 until 2016, it was always a side hustle. At first, those first six months, January of 16 until I got a job in January of 2009 till June of 2009, that year, I basically had to drive around picking up scrap on the side of the road. And my goal was $100 a day. Hundred hours a day in scrap, Monday through Friday, Saturday and Sunday, I would take things apart, take in my load on Monday morning. And if I could make two thousand dollars a month, I was living, like doing well. Mm-hmm. And to your point, my overhead was my fuel and everything else was cash money. So I'm like, oh, this is great. And then eventually I found out people would pay me to go to their houses and clean out their garages or basements. And then now I have to bring in employees. And at first it was simple. I'd paid people in beer and cigarettes and we were good to hook, right? And so margins were great. I would go to the landfill or the transfer station that was cash because I was a resident, all good. 2016, I'd come home from another deployment in 15. When I left from my deployment, I said, when I come back home, I'm never going to have a job again. 
I'm done working. I'd work for the big companies like waste management and did concrete. I got a degree. I did all those things in those years in between. And when I got back home in 16, I said, all right, I'm going to do this and I'm do it myself. And I got into business with my brother. We started in June of 16 and we took off. And to his point, one thing that I was conscious of day one was keeping track of the numbers. I had learned from 2009 to 16, those seven years, I'd figure out, oh, this isn't cash money. And so once I started keeping track of it, now, I thought I knew some things. <laughs> and then about 90 days later, I realized how realize. much I didn't know. <laughs> like, oh, you can't pay employees with cash every week. So when people see me now, they're like, oh, you got it all figured out. I'm like, this is 14 years in the making mm-hmm. and we're still figuring it out. Yeah. A metaphor I like to use is when you're trying to go from side hustle to full time, you have to get the boat close enough to the dock so when you jump, mm. you don't fall in the water, right? You got to fall on the boat at least, or yeah. at least be able to hang on and pull yourself up. Paul, how did you do that early on? How did you make sure the boat was close enough? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there was a gap. In a perfect world, getting the boat close to the dock in you know, getting everything lined up, that's the smartest, but that's not my story or my experience. So what happened for me, and I had mentioned, I didn't understand overhead. And because of all of that, my prices were just way too low. Mm. I was not charging enough for mowing. I was not charging enough for installs. All my prices were too low. And I, I had an employee mindset. So I used to work making 10, 15, 20 bucks an hour. And I had no idea that $45 a man hour, that was the rate in 2011 when I started. And I couldn't comprehend charging that much. I, mm. I was thinking like an employee. Now it's like $65, $70 a man hour beyond in our market. So anyway, because I wasn't charging enough, my business wasn't making money. So I was like, I was a rat in a wheel. The more I worked, the deeper the hole got. Truly, there's no way I was going to make money without raising my prices and getting more efficient. So what happened was I was working at Carabas in 2011, 2012, and I go in one day and I mean, I'd work lawn care all day till about three or four. I go to the restaurant at night and they were starting to get mad at me because my fingernails would be all dirty. And, you know, someone order a hundred dollar bottle of wine. My bosses were getting frustrated that I was, my heart was in lawn care. And so I walked in one day and I wasn't on the schedule and Dumbbell Jr. over here, I didn't realize <laughs> they fired me. So that was my, I didn't have the boat close to the doctor. I agree you. with you a hundred percent. I got kicked in. So oh, yeah. basically when I woke up the next day, I'm like, okay, I got to figure this out. And thankfully my mentor, Kenny, basically was showing me, you have to raise your prices if you want to do this full time. So Hmm. I was fortunate. I grew up with a father and a mother who had owned a business now 30, 35 years they've been in business. And so that's one thing I understood. I remember working at the restaurant. He said, whatever your rate is for your labor, you got to multiply it by three. And so what it is, is he said, 30% goes towards your labor, 30% Mm -hmm. is food cost, 30% is overhead, 10% is profit. You reinvest in the business. And so I had that mindset for the longest time. The challenge with that was there's no room for growth. Right, Because what ends up happening is you're like, oh, how do I reduce this? Well, I'm going to reduce the labor by doing a lot of the work myself. And so as I transitioned from that side hustle, me and my brother and a couple of people doing it, to other people, I had to figure out, okay, how do I become more efficient? Because mm-hmm. right? my goal wasn't to buy a job. And that's where I see a lot of people I was talking to someone last night who owns a junk world franchise. He's like, hey, this is what we did. And basically, I bought myself a job. And I'm like, well, you're not. If you do $200,000 a year with a one truck operation, it's about what it is. I've talked to other people in the past where it's like home service businesses and maybe even lawn care. There's a max capacity one person can do it. Totally. Yeah. And if you want to go from side hustle to full time, you have to start hiring your replacement and firing yourself as soon as you can in business. As soon as you can. 
hire the best guy available or girl that's going to replace you as the operator on the truck. Mm -hmm. Because when you're the owner and operator, you'll never transition to a sustainable business. You have to be the owner and you have to find someone else to be an operator, even if they're operating the lawnmower. Because when they're on the lawnmower, you can be on the trimmer. You can be talking to the customer. You can be putting out door hangers to all the neighbors Mm -hmm. because you have someone that's operating the equipment. So what are some indicators that you're ready? What are some things that need to be in place to make sure that you're ready to get to the boat, Paul? Yeah, definitely. I've learned, you know, over the last decade that you want to know your numbers. And so you you want to actually know what does it cost to run this business? And I'll do coaching calls with folks that are making 80,000, some guys even making over 100,000 a year in their dead end job, but they hate what they do every day. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, hey, I I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to be a small business owner. I want to get this business. And so in those cases, it's great because they can tuck some money aside from their good paying job and have a nice few months of expenses Mm -hmm. set up there. Because realistically, the first year you have the most expenses. You have to get your equipment. Mm -hmm. You have to get all your insurances set up, your storage. I mean, you'll have more irregular expenses that first year that are necessary to get up in business. So I would say if you're wanting to go from a side hustle to full-time, get the mathematics out, get the numbers, know how much it's going to cost and figure out to pay yourself as the owner. If you're making 5,000 a month, you know, $60,000 a year job, you also need all the other overhead setting money aside from taxes. So it's like, what's your break even? Okay. I got to make 15 K a month in revenue to make this jump before I quit the job. And the other thing is, do you have a wife? Do you have children? Like for me, I was single when I got kicked out from Caraba. So <laughs> I didn't have really any risk. It was like mm-hmm. worst case scenario, I go stay, you know, my friend's couch. But like, if you have a family, you need to really count the cost before you go all in on it. Cause that first year is the toughest. I think I would advise our listeners. I don't know if you guys agree with this, that if they can have three months of savings, mm-hmm. hopefully yep. six, you've heard the phrase broke salespeople smell bad. Yep. Well, broke business owners smell bad too. And yep. if you can pitch, you can market and sell your services with money in the bank. Gosh, it's so much better. It's so much easier, lighter on yourself. Yeah. And I'll piggyback on that cash flow. Like yep. when I was starting out, I literally would mow all month, then give Sweet Sue the invoice. Mm. And this is pre-jobber. And then I'd have to wait a couple more weeks for the old checks in the mail, which is a bunch of crock. <laughs> so, <laughs> so get, oh, get yeah. cash flow. I'm going to get a card on file. I'm going to charge your card the day we mow, or in some cases, you can even charge them on the first of the month. So yep. figure out your cash flow because cash is the oxygen of a business. So you, you want to have your cash flow and billing practices in order. Mm-hmm. Now, what you're saying is the two things I advise, practical and tactical. So practical, you have to stop looking at your combined money as combined money. You have to say, okay, this is the household money. This is what it takes. So let's use your example. If I'm used to making $60,000 a year, how much of that do I use in the house? Right? So if you're like, okay, let's say actually it's $4,000 a month. So it's closer to $48,000 a year. Okay. You need three months of money. I like what you said, right? Three months of money, 90 days of money is ideal. All right. So I need $12,000 that's in this bucket to pay for household expenses. Ideally six months, right? When people are, oh, what's ideal? Three months is minimum, six months is ideal. And now look at this next set of money. What is it going to take you to run your business for the first six months, right? Let's say you got a, a burn rate of $3,000. You got to pay your annual premium, your first year of insurance, normally that first month. People right. aren't used to that. They're like, oh, it's going to be like $4,000 for the year. No, no, it's going to be $4,000 your Today. first month. <laughs> right. And then right, and then <laughs> next year, they might let you go quarterly. And then by year three or four, they might let you go monthly. So look at that. What is it going to take for you to get your first six months off, off the ground? Okay, let's say that's going to be $25,000. So now I need $12,000 in the household account. I need $25,000. So now I have $37,000 to say I'm ready to start. That's the practical. Tactically, to get the boat closer, 
before you take that leap, I tell people in junk removal, and maybe it's the same thing in lawn care, go get 100 jobs under your belt. Mm. There's some people like, oh, this is easy money. It's simple. Let me tell you something. Easy come, easy go. You might do the first 98 jobs like, oh, this is the best thing ever. And the last two, right, number 99 and 100 are like. Dumpster fires. This is terrible. (laughs) I never want to do this again. And it's like, well, hold on. Because I'll tell you something. 2% of all jobs are not going to go your way. And that's a small number. So you have to get those first 100 jobs. I tell people the first 100 jobs are going to prove out whether or not you want to be in this business. Your first 1,000 will prove out if you know what you're doing. And you need those data points. you got to collect it along the way. When you do that, you're set up for success. If you don't do that, if you choose not to do that, you're going to be desperate. And desperate decision-making is not the way you want to start your business. The 100 jobs thing, it doesn't lie. That's a great point. I don't want to do gutters. I've, I've done three or four <laughs> gutters, and I'm like, no, I don't want to do this ever again. <laughs> Sounds terrible. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So one more thing before we go to break. I'm curious, how do you pay yourself in the very beginning? Uh, That's a really hard thing. Encourage our listeners. How do you go about, do you ease into it? $100 a month and $200, $300? Or do you right from the get-go? I have really unique bookkeepers. Megan and Joey are my bookkeepers. They're down in Pensacola, Florida. And they only service lawn care landscaping businesses. And they have 36 clients. So they all own lawn care and landscaping businesses. So I'll I'll pick their brain. Like, hey, what are you noticing? Like, what traits do you notice about our industry? Because they got their eyes on 36 books for our industry. They said the number one mistake that the new guys are making is they're not paying themselves. Like they're just running their business mm-hmm. and then willy-nilly at the end of the month, oh, I'll take a little bit out to pay the- just, It's totally random and there's yeah, no- Yeah, and, and it's like, it's whatever's left over, I'll just take it. And it's like, that is the worst habit to practice. You have to cut yourself a check or if you, it depends if you're a sole proprietor LLC, there's, there's legalities to it. But one of the line items in my business is I pay Paul Jamison. Like mm-hmm. he's getting paid every month. And I just make it easy. I, on the first of every month, I get paid the same amount. And then, you know, at the end of the year, I can take out. Yeah, um, you reconcile it. Yeah. But don't start off paying yourself 100 grand, you know, 50, 60 grand, and then you can work it up from there. But you have to pay yourself. And the reason I say that is it's going to force you to charge more because you're going to realize if I'm going to pay myself five grand and I'm going to pay all my other expenses, I have to charge premium pricing to have all the money for all that and that'd be profitable. Yeah. For the people that have that mindset of once I hit this, I'll do it. No, you won't. Never happens. Because because <laughs> once you get to that six figures of annual income, you're going to have more expenses. Mm-hmm. Once you hit this, you're going to have more expensive. Once you have the margin, you're going to find a reason to buy a truck. It took me six years in business before I read the book Profit First. Mm-hmm. He says exactly what you're saying. Pay yourself day one. I had, by chapter two, I'm like, this guy is watching me over my shoulder. This is crazy. <laughs> right. Mike McCallum. He's been reading Mike my mail. Right, right. Like, <laughs> we've never, we've never met before today. And it's like, we found the same book. Yeah. Because what he says is it's martyrdom. And I'd suffered that for years. I'm like, well, I don't pay myself. And and then you get spiteful. You get frustrated. Your household bills aren't getting paid. Mm -hmm. And so pay yourself day one, figure out what that is. Use a percentage or or a fixed amount. And then it grows and scales with your business over time. I don't care if it's a hundred hours a month, start somewhere and then increase it over time. So it makes sense because when you do that, you can now separate your personal money from your business money day one. I couldn't agree more. The key phrase is what's left over. Yep. Whatever is left over, I get, and that's not the way to do it. It also holds you accountable, puts your arm behind your back and steers yourself to make mm-hmm. sure that you stay in line with your goals and your vision for the company. And so- you have to replace yourself because what you're doing year one, you're eventually going to hire somebody else because basically year one, you are the laborer, you are the salesperson, you are the you're mm-hmm. everything, and you're going to have to replace that. So you need to be paying yourself, which you're eventually going to be paying someone else, mm-hmm. which all goes back to then you're going to price your services accurately. Right. It's a great conversation. Let's take a 30-second break, and we'll be right back. 
We are always driving around. We are a family HVAC business and we are always in the field. We can't get to an office or a desk a lot of the times. With Jobber, I can quote, invoice, and get paid all on my phone. Access my customer information, job information, and my whole business right on my phone, right at the job site. That just makes running my business a lot smoother. Smoother from start to finish. Quote, schedule invoice, and get paid. Start your free trial today at jobber.com. Listeners to the podcast can get a special discount on a new subscription by going to jobber.com slash podcast deal. If you aren't using Jobber, you need to be. Jobber has made my businesses more profitable and more efficient for sure. So Paul, in terms of bookkeeping and making sure we have the right bank accounts, help the listeners understand how to set up the right way. Yeah, so you have to have a separate business checking account for your business. So you, you don't buy groceries out of that account. You, you buy your groceries out of your personal account and back to, you have to pay yourself something so you have money for your groceries. So you have your separate business account and then from there, you need to open a separate tax savings account because you want to be taking a percentage of your profits or a percentage of your revenues, depending on what your bookkeeper advises you or tax planner, you need to be moving that money into a tax savings account. That's a big mistake that people make too often is they don't understand the tax situation that you have to set money aside. So get a separate business account, get a separate business savings account, all the money that comes into your account, whether they pay you cash, they pay you a card on file with Jobber, mm -hmm. all that money goes into your business account. Percentage of that gets transferred over. Get in this habit and rhythm and routine immediately. You do not want to get behind on taxes. Save that money in that business tax savings account. And then I have everything organized through Jobber, my bookkeeper, it's all connected. They're paying attention to everything that's going on. Once a month, I meet with them. They go over the statement of cash flows, balance sheet, the profit and loss statement, making sure I have the proper money saved for my taxes is, is peace of mind. But you have to get all that set up mm -hmm. right out of the gate. Andy, I can't afford that. I can't afford a bookkeeper. I can't afford tax guy. I can't afford QuickBooks. What do you tell the listeners who I just started yesterday? I can't afford all that. Can't afford not to. Next question. I mean, it's that simple. The way you start your business will set the tone. Because what's going to happen is you're like, all right, I'm in business. The phone rings. You go to your first job. And whatever habits aren't formed the right way then, you'll have to break later. Mm -hmm. Read the books, listen to podcasts like ours, listen to guys that didn't do it right the first time. You know, when I got in business 14 years ago, there wasn't books or classes for me. I, I went and got a degree in business management. So I have a bachelor's degree and I can tell you 95% of what I learned in college does not apply to entrepreneurship. It applies to corporate America. And so now, that's 2023, there are podcasts and books and resources out there and available. Take all the tips and tricks so you have understood all the fighting positions you got to be in and man those fighting positions. Mm -hmm. You can't afford to not have a good bookkeeper. And I'm on my fourth accountant. I went through four accountants in the first three years because the first three were not good. My second accountant was a family friend. I said, hey, how do I scale this business and not pay as much taxes? And his advice was do more cash jobs. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I wanted to scale a business that was going to be seven figures, eight figures someday. Mm -hmm. In order to do that, I had to have the right team that could see that vision. Yeah. You want to build it to sell it from day one. Yep. Because these big, you, you look at the top 100 lawn and landscaping companies, those top 15 or 20, they pay big money. All the, they buy up all the littler ones. Mm -hmm. If you can have all the proper documentation from day one, you're going to get top dollar when you build it to sell it. So, and some people are like, well, I don't want to sell it. I always want to do this. Well, one day you're going to die. And maybe Junior's dream isn't to cut that grass and make that cash. Maybe he has something else for his life. So you want to build it so someday whoever sells it, you can get top dollar for your business. But having that foundation in place will help you 
have it be worth more when you go to sell it one day. Yeah. Plan for the business you want, not the business you got. Mm-hmm. As we wrap up this concept, give our listeners one hack for like, hey, do this today to make sure your business is better when it's bigger. In the beginning of my businesses, I wish that I had realized that if it's sloppy small, it would be sloppy big. Slow is smooth, smooth is fast, fast is good. When you put those processes in place, you will be better. Document everything. If you're not sure if you need it, document it. I'd rather have 20 different KPIs at first and boil them down. I didn't ask people day one, how'd you hear about us? I was guessing, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. So start collecting all the data. Every single business, you need to ask, how did you hear about us? At the very least, document that. That's the one nugget. Got to do it today. I've known people that are in business for years that are still guessing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, get organized. You need a good bookkeeper. You need clean bank accounts that only run your business from. You don't intermingle that money. You need a good CRM like Jobber. You need to get everything organized. So as you begin to bring people into your business, it's very well organized. Yeah. So, okay. So now let's pretend their business is bigger now. You know, they start out small, it's bigger and bigger and man, the pressure's on. You guys can relate to that a little bit. I'm guessing I certainly can. Pressure's on. Maybe you have a family, you got kids, man, like a lot is weighing on you. How do you balance the work-life balance? Is there balance? What have you guys done personally to make sure that you, your mind stays strong, your body stays strong while your business stays strong? I'll tell you what, I hate the word balance because balance has the scarcity mindset that when one thing goes down, another thing has to go up. And it's not about that. It's about alignment. How does what I do day in and day out align with where I want to go with the world? Right. So for me, I had the balanced mindset at first. I'm like, okay. I, and I had my daughter. So every two weeks I'd have my daughter four days. So I'm like, I'm going to kill myself for 10 days so I can enjoy four days with my daughter and then 10 days and then four days. And I lived this duality and it sucked. I went from being business owner to dad. And then it was constant chaos for me and this mindset shift. And what I realized was over time, and I, I had an ex that said this to me, she goes, you don't have a lot of friends. I'm like, I don't need a lot of friends because networking is my social life. Going out and meeting people, that's fulfilling that need that I, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs talks about that social fulfillment. And I had that through, through my business. Why? Because I had to get out of the office and go to networking events. And then I felt recharged after a networking event, which motivated me to go back to the office. And then eventually I brought my daughter into the business. She's nine years old now, and when she wakes up during the summer, every day is bringing her daughter to work day, and she loves it. And so how do we align this? And so I brought her to networking events. She comes to the office and has a good time. So now she's integrated into the business. And when I've done the right things at work, and I go and say, hey, we're going to take a couple days off, or even here, we're shooting this podcast, my phone's not ringing. Because mm-hmm. I've aligned the business so that when the phone rings, someone picks it up. They put the information in the jobber. They take care of the jobs. All those things happen, and Andy doesn't have to be involved. Mm-hmm. I had to fire myself from being the operations manager so that I could scale my business and align my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you need to start with the end in mind. A hundred percent. There's a guy named Andy Mulder. He's a landscaper, Mulder Outdoors up in the Chicago, Illinois area. And he started something, he calls it Datter Day. So he doesn't work on Saturdays. So he figured out something. I'm only going to do quotes on Tuesday nights and Thursday nights. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, when I get off, sometime after 6.30, we're going to have a family dinner. Mm -hmm. And then the kicker was every Saturday, he doesn't work. Mm -hmm. It's his day off. It's one day off. And he calls it Dadder Day. He intentionally spends time with his kids. And he prioritizes that. And he runs a, he's a millionaire, debt-free business, million-dollar business, personally debt-free millionaire, very successful guy. One of his secrets is he has that one day off to recharge, invest in his relationships, but he has boundaries. So if a customer says, hey, can you come over Wednesday when I get off work and give us a quote? No, 
I have Tuesday from 4.30 to 7.30 or Thursday. So he has mm-hmm. those boundaries and limitations. To it. And yeah. if you don't set that, someone's going to come at your time because there's always something to do. We both know this, and every listener knows this too, that your work will expand just like gas mm-hmm. to fill a room. Yep. Yeah. And so I could work 24-7 forever, and I would still not get everything done. There's some listeners who need to block off Saturday and Sunday for time off. They need to make sure that they go home at five and not at eight. And at some point you just have to do it and you have to commit to putting some restrictions in and then it'll force you to be more efficient. Yeah. Jeremy Jacobs up in Illinois, he literally leaves his phone in his work truck. Mm-hmm. When he le- leaves his truck in mm. the evening, goes home, he has wife and kids. He doesn't have his phone until he goes back the next morning, gets in his truck and, and is intentional with the time. And I want to add one more thing real quick about my diet. When you leave the house in lawn care, it's usually still dark. You're headed out to get started crack of dawn. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you don't come home till dark 30. And so what I was doing is I was eating Chick-fil-A. Mm. I was eating Wendy's, mm, the yum. Baconator and fries. Oh, yeah. I was eating. <laughs> oh, yeah. We have the go-tos. Yeah. And, you know, when I was being healthy, I had a Chipotle <laughs> bowl or whatever. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I, I stood on the scale one day and I weighed 230 pounds. So I've had to really be more intentional with my diet. I hired a personal trainer at the gym, yep. mm. paid him a lot of money. And I'm like, okay, if I invest my money here, I'm going to show up. And I have. I've been training. I've been eating a lot cleaner. I've been planning ahead of what I'm going to eat, like, healthy snacks during the day and stuff. And so I didn't take care of my nutrition or my diet. We only get one body. We're entrepreneurs. Our body is our moneymaker. If we're Mm -hmm. not at optimal peak performance, we're not going to be serving our customers and our teams to the best of our abilities. The goal is that you take care of the vessel. I know when I eat and I sleep, I am more efficient with my time at work. And the next thing I do is I block off time. Mm -hmm. It's all got to be about that blocking off time, being intentional with your calendar, prioritizing things. And I look at my calendar every week and say, okay, am I the best person to do this? Or is there somebody within my team or outside of my organization that this is a better fit for? So I can, my goal is to continually fire myself from the projects because this martyrdom, I'm the business owner. I know best. When you do that, you never grow and expand. Mm -hmm. So take care of your physical body, take care of your calendar. And then when you do that, you can become more of an owner and less of an operator. I feel like for me, it comes down to why did I go into this business in the first place? Did I go into business to work all the time, to become unhealthy, to not sleep, to make my family upset? No, I, I went in business for more freedom, more flexibility, more yep. money, hopefully. And, but a lot of times, a lot of our listeners too are experiencing the opposite of that. And so it's up to you. It's up to you if you decide to put these limitations in place and make it happen. Do you want to control your business or do you want your business to control you? Right. That is a absolute choice. And leaving the phone, it is so difficult to leave that phone in the office on a Friday afternoon. Mm -hmm. And I learned to do it. As we get to the end, let's recap what we've talked about today. First one was financials, making sure you start off strong with enough savings, making sure the boat is close enough to the dock so you don't fall in the water and drown. And to Andy's point, doing 100 jobs to make sure that it's what you really love and you weather the storm, and then you can actually make a good, knowledgeable decision on whether or not you want to really move forward. We talked about how a, a business sloppy small is sloppy big, and making sure your business is strong and healthy. Take the time in the beginning to make it strong, processes, checklists, make sure you know your numbers in the beginning so you're asking people the right questions and building your company the right way. And then third was really just limitations and building your life the way you want it because you go into business for those reasons. And so putting your phone away, blocking off time to be with your family, eating healthy, sleeping, those are all decisions that you make, that we make. And like work will expand to take as much time as you allow it. So give it the time it needs, which will force you to be efficient, control your business, not letting your business control you. 
Great podcast. Thanks, guys, for your insights. How do people find out more about you guys, Paul? I have a podcast. It's called The Green Industry Podcast, and you can follow me on Instagram, at Green Industry Podcast, and my latest book is The Lawn Care Advantage, and that's available on Amazon. Great. Andy? Uh, you can find me Trash Talk Business Podcast, LinkedIn, Facebook, Andy Wines, and I got a book coming out later this year. You can find out about it through all those channels. Well, guys, thanks for being here. First of all, I want to say the impact that you guys are having on your marketplaces, it matters. The work that you guys do matters. The impact that you're having on your families and your employees, your whole team, all your clients, you guys are really making a difference in the marketplace and I really appreciate it. And your customers do too. So thank you. Thanks. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe, watch on YouTube, wherever you listen to podcasts, and we'll see you next time. I'm really grateful to our listeners who tuned in today. I hope you heard something that will make your business more profitable and more efficient. I'm your host, Adam Sylvester, and you can find me at adamsylvester.com. Remember, your clients and your team deserve your very best. So go give it to them. We'll see you next time.